Well, good morning and welcome to this assembly of Blaine Baptist Church. It is good to have each of you here this morning. And as we typically do, I'm going to start with announcements. Uh, the first of which is um, that uh, if you haven't uh, if you haven't given towards the sacrificial missions giving, which we especially emphasized last week, uh, that can still be done. I haven't yet heard the totals for uh, amounts, so you could put something in the offering and designate it, and that will get put towards that offering. Uh, next Sunday, we're having a very uh, special event in the life of the church, and that is a piano dedication service. Uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Josh Bowder is coming, and he's going to be uh, playing the piano for us and doing um, a good deal of special music. Um, there will be food, some light refreshments uh, following with some more music. Um, and we've invited Grace Church of Otsego, um, uh to join us. And if you'd like to invite others, you may. Um, and the only thing that I thought to mention beyond uh, what you probably already know is um, if you come early, uh, you'll be able to hear the prelude, and the prelude will start at least 15 minutes before the service starts at 2.30. Um, and some of those playing in the prelude aren't playing in the service, uh, so you'll get to hear them. So uh, 15 minutes before 2.30, uh, at least uh, that time, the prelude will start, and then uh, the service itself at 2.30, and looking forward to... Uh, being with one another and rejoicing in God's kindness in allowing us to have a, a piano. The other things upcoming, uh, ladies' Christmas luncheon, Saturday, December 4th, and other things, you can read about those. And then in terms of prayer requests and praises and updates, uh, be praying for Fourth Baptist Church and uh, God's kindness that he would use them in laboring for for him in Plymouth. I'll be praying for my uncle Guy, if you would. I mentioned on Wednesday that he went backwards in his uh, in his health and he was put back on the ventilator. Uh, so if you could uh, pray that God would strengthen him uh, despite that setback. Um, and then uh, Carrie is the... Um, uh, niece of uh, a friend of Paul, Bruce, and she had uh, brain aneurysm stroke. Uh, and so pray that God would work in healing in her life, but especially uh, that God might use this in Bruce's life. Uh, he's not a believer, um, so that Paul might have opportunity to be clear in proclamation of the gospel through the, even this uh, circumstance. And then uh, Brent Marshall is preaching in East Bethel this morning, so be praying uh, for him. Last of uh, two weeks uh, here at the present that he's doing that and filling in uh, for the normal preacher who's there. And then uh, heard news that David Andrews' uh, skin cancer removal went well. Uh, pray that uh, that in the upcoming weeks and months there wouldn't be any recurrence of the skin cancer and then uh, beyond those things uh, let us be praying that God would bless even in our time together this morning looking to him
the snow reminds us that God uh, is able to wash our sins white as snow. Uh, might we rejoice in God's kindness in that? Our scripture memory is Psalm 108, verses 3 and 4. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples, and I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your loving kindness is great above the heavens, and your truth reaches to the skies. Uh, God's loving kindness surpasses all that we could know or understand, and thus we rejoice, and thus we worship. Um, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples, and I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your loving kindness is great above the heavens, and your truth reaches to the skies. Let us begin our time together this morning in prayer. Uh, Let us bow uh, this morning together. Great Father, we thank you that you have, by Christ's blood, brought us together as brothers and sisters in Christ here. I thank you for the fellowship that we have with one another, not by any merit of our own, but resting wholly on the perfection of Christ on Christ's sacrifice, on Christ's love displayed on the cross for us. I thank you, Lord, that you have brought us safely through another week. We trust to your care, not just moment by moment and day by day, but week and month and year by year. I pray that you would continue to care. Uh, We've been praying for some, continuing to do so, desiring for your work of intervention, even physically in the lives of others. But most especially, Lord, would you work spiritually, not only in the hearts of those for whom we pray, but in our hearts. Might you grow us in understanding your word. Might you strengthen us in faith. And might you convince us of the truth and goodness and beauty of following you. I pray that you would work in the lives of those who haven't yet looked to Christ and haven't set forth on following him and loving him. I pray that even this morning you would convict. We pray as those who are concerned for our country, you have taught us to pray for kings and those who are in authority over us. And so we pray for the leaders of our country. Lord, might they look to Christ instead of the world's wisdom. 
might they trust in the scriptures instead of science? Might they trust in the whole of what you teach instead of their own thinking and pursuing their own desires? Lord, it is easy for any one of us to set up idols. I pray that you would knock them down. I pray that we would be wholly divided, devoted to you and divided in our affection and our devotion. Not at all. Strengthen us, Lord. We desire to look to you and to see Christ and to see him preeminently and to see him eternally. We pray that you would draw us to that end even this morning. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. There is much to thank the Lord for. And as we begin, one of the things that we thank the Lord for is that which we can learn from his word. Let us read together. Psalm 45, verses 10 through 17, the end of that psalm. Psalm 45, beginning in verse 10. Listen, O daughter, give attention and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house. The daughter of Tyre will come with a gift. The rich among the people will seek your favor. The king's daughter is all glorious within. Her clothing is interwoven with gold. She will be led to the king in embroidered work. The virgin, her companions who follow her, will be brought to you. They will be led forth with gladness and rejoicing. They will enter into the king's palace. In place of your fathers will be your sons. You shall make them princes in all the earth. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, the peoples will give you thanks forever and ever. Amen. As we think towards the coming Thanksgiving holiday, we sing with thankfulness because of our God. In the gray hymnal, hymnal 299, Come Ye Thankful People Come, 299. As you're able, would you stand as we sing, Come Ye Thankful People Come. song of harvest home. All is safely gathered in, and the winter storms begin. God, our Maker, doth provide for our wants to be 
307, 307 children of the Heavenly Father. 307. Children 
scripture reading this morning is taken from the Psalms as well. Psalm 67. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 67. Psalm 67. God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. That your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you will judge the peoples with uprightness and guide the nations on the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its produce. God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have made your ways known on the earth in sending your Son to die for us, to provide salvation for us. Lord, we acknowledge our responsibility to share the gospel with others, for not all have heard. And we also pray that through our lives, through the thanksgiving, the attitude of praise and thanksgiving that we exhibit in our lives that others would see your goodness and your salvation. We pray that uh, we would uphold your goodness and your greatness uh, to us for all to see and that your justice and righteousness might also be manifest in this world. We thank you again for your goodness to us, and we praise your name. Amen. In the back of the blue hymnal, Psalter, Psalm 23b, the King of Love, my Shepherd is... Psalm 23b, let's sing together. Amen. Mm-hmm. 
flow. My ransom soul, He leadeth, and well overt and pastures grow with food celestial feedeth. Perverse and with the bulletin, what God ordains is always good. What God ordains is always good. As you're able, would you stand as we sing?
friend and father, he suffers not to do me harm, though many storms may gather. Now I may know both joy and woe, someday I shall see. Savers now of bitterness, I take it without shrinking. For after grief, God gives relief, my heart with comfort filling, and all my sorrow stilling. And all my sorrow stealing, what God ordains is always good. This truth remains unshaken, though sorrow need or death be mine, I shall not be forsaken. and shield me. So to my God I yield me. So to my God I yield me. Amen. You may be seated. I invite the ushers at this time to prepare for this morning's worship. If you'd like to follow along with the offertory, it's in the blue hymnal, number five. Let us look to our God again. Lord, you provide for us not just our physical needs, but all that we need for life and godliness. Not just our spiritual needs, but beyond that which we need, you have blessed and been kind, generous to us. I pray that you would get the glory as we seek to be those who delight to give as you have directed us as you have taught us. We pray now that you would bless this offering for the glory of your Son. For your glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.
great hymnals once again. Turn with me to number 312. 312, Rejoice, Believer in the Lord. We'll have the ladies sing the second verse alone and then the men on the third verse. Rejoice, Believer in the Lord. Ladies alone on the second, men alone on the third. Rejoice, believer in the Lord, who makes your cause his own. The hope that's built upon his word can never be good to be with you yet again and to ask you to invite uh, your hearts before the Lord to open them to the word. I invite you as well to turn in the word of our God to Matthew and the sixth chapter, Matthew chapter six, as we continue in looking to the Sermon on the Mount. We are not doing the Puritan things. The men, we were speaking a little bit about the Puritans this morning and thinking about their preaching and their worship. And it was John 17 and verse 24 that Robert Trail uh, took that verse and made it into 17 sermons. Um, we're not doing that uh, today. We're not doing that uh, in the least. In fact, we're going to uh, accepting the Lord's Prayer, which we'll come to two weeks from now, Lord willing. Um, but leaving out that, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6 and verses number 1 through 18. Here is the word of our Lord instructing us to beware of 
uh, whose eyes we are trying to please, whose gaze we are trying to catch. Um, who are we trying to get to think highly of us? That is the subject matter of our time together this morning. Let us read the text of Scripture, and then we'll pray and look to the Word. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room. Close your door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not, when you're praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need. Before you ask him. Then we have the Lord's Prayer, followed by two verses of explanation, skipping down to verse 16. Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Let us ask the Father that in listening we might receive his reward. Lord, we desire to submit ourselves to every portion of your word as it teaches and instructs us. We desire to believe and to do Help us to that end this morning. We are insufficient for this task. We pray that the Holy Spirit might illuminate your word and change us by it. 
I pray that we would not go forth unchanged. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Marriage is one of the great examples of faithfulness or the lack thereof. And probably the chief example in all of human life of unfaithfulness is adultery. I would go so far as to believe that God gave marriage, which he gave for numerous purposes and reasons, but that one of the reasons why God gave marriage is so that one day he could say to his people, uh, Israel, you adulterers and adulteresses. So that he could use the chief example of unfaithfulness to speak to the reality of how his people were living. Well, as we consider spiritual adultery, spiritual unfaithfulness, there are two chief ways in which we might be spiritual adulterers. One is that we would be idolaters, that we would be idolaters, that we would reject the one true God and worship and adore and lift high false gods. This was commonplace in the Old Testament. This was commonplace in the New Testament. And this is no less commonplace now. Right? You can set up all kinds of idols. Good idols. If you can get the sense of that word, wording. Uh, and bad idols. Right? You, you can set up good things as idols. I mentioned in my prayer, science. Science can be an idol. It can be used to good ends. Politics. Family. Marriage. Education. All of these things can be idols. They can be false gods for us. And that's one way we might pursue the spiritual adultery, which is idolatry. To abandon the one true God in favor of false gods. But another way in which we might be spiritual adulterers is to seek to worship the one true God in ways that he instructs us that we ought not to do. We can become spiritual idolaters, adulterers. We can become spiritual adulterers when we substitute the means, the ways in which God has instructed us to worship him with other means. Whether of our own making, the making of others' imagination. This is evidently what the Jews were doing. We, we mentioned this in part in, on Wednesday night. This is evidently what the Jews were doing when they constructed the calf. They, they intended to worship 
Yahweh, and they used a calf to do it. This is spiritual adultery. If you aim to please the one true God in ways which he has not instructed us. And here in Matthew chapter 6, we have especially this uh, pursuit of pleasing the Lord, yes, but pleasing the Lord and pleasing others. Pleasing the Lord with an eye not primarily on pleasing the Lord, but with an eye primarily on what do others think of me? This language of how others see you and how others see me and how others uh, evaluate us, this language is prevalent in these verses. Did you notice this language? Beware of practicing your righteousness, chapter 6 and verse 1. Your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. And this is, this is a lesser used um, a form of a, a synonym with the word to be seen. Uh, but it, it seems at times to be a, a synonymous with the more common word uh, to be seen. And then at times it also entails and includes ideas of evaluating. So if you want, if you want other people to see your righteousness so that they can evaluate you more highly, so that they can think of you more highly, that's this idea of this word noticing here. Notice the language in verse uh, number four. Um, if your giving is in secret, your father who sees. This is a more general word uh, pertaining to seeing, common word pertaining to seeing. And it's sometimes used with and sometimes used without a focus on the thing seen. But here, it's used with a focus on what is seen. Your father who sees what? Sees what is done in secret. And this word secret is the word that's related to other Greek words that are connected in the, in the word family uh, that we get our word cryptic from. Or our word crypt. So if you want to hide dead bones and dead bodies, you put them into a crypt. If you're trying to be secretive about how you communicate language, you speak cryptically. The idea here of this word secret is something that's hidden. Something that's out of sight, not in sight. Noticed, seen, antonym, secret. Or, again, verse number six. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door and pray to the Father who sees, who is in secret and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. God sees, other people see, but who are you pleasing to seek? 
to, to, to please. Who are you seeking to please as you look to who sees? Or consider um, the language in verse number 18. I'll pick it up in verse 17. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Verse 18, so that your fasting will not be noticed. And this is, this is a different word. So that your uh, fasting will not be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly, I say to you, uh, they have their reward in full. Uh, here is the one who... Uh, noticed by men, oh, I skipped back to verse uh, number 16 because it has the same language, noticed by men, noticed by men. Uh, So verse 18, so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Um, Here is a a clear focus on what is seen. But the focus isn't actually outward. The focus of the text is inward. What is your heart? What is your intention when you pray? When you give alms? When you're giving for the sake of the poor? Okay, don't, don't think putting money in the offering plate necessarily. That's not what they would have been thinking. Um, I'm reminded of the uh, very, uh, very uh, good quote um, the past is a. Uh, I just lost it now. Um, the past is a. Is a. Uh, do you know it? Foreign yeah, the, the past is a foreign country. They do things differently there. They do things differently there. So don't think of the offering and passing the offering plate when you think of, of uh, almsgiving. This is how the Jews would have thought of their, their using the, the things that God had given, a portion of the, what God had given to them to benefit those who were poor. Okay, um, But the idea still remains your heart, your intentions... Are you seeking for God to see and be pleased? Or are you seeking for other men to see and be pleased? I think that this text teaches us uh, three clear uh, clear teachings which we need to grab and understand. Um, but before we get to those, note the verse uh, verse 1, which sets out the theme of the whole text. Seeking to please others more than God is dangerous. Seeking to please others more than God is wrong. Verse 1, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. We can be tempted to seek to please others more than God or instead of God. That's the theme. But as you go through this passage, what's interesting to note is how consistently Jesus puts together negative commands and negative uh, illustrations with positive 
He, he consistently contrasts through the whole, the whole section here, uh, negative, positive, negative, positive. So let's walk through the text looking at the negatives and positives. And then we'll come back and we'll focus in on these three truths that we ought to understand from this text. So negatively, verse 2, when you give, which parallels verse 5, when you pray, and verse 7, when you are praying, and verse 16, whenever you fast, when you fast. Uh, So verse 2, when you pray to the poor, do not, here's a negative example, Do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be honored. Now, it's it's uncertain as to whether they actually did this. Did they actually have trumpets? Did they actually uh, get the the Pharisee is is taking his his uh, alms to the temple Um, or, or to a place where there's a poor man in need and he hires, he hires a trumpeter to go before him? It, it certainly is possible, given what we know of the Pharisees uh, and what the scriptures say here, but it could be just a form of exaggeration like Jesus had done earlier, hyperbole for the sake of teaching. Um, in either case, if you're going into war, if you're going onto the battlefield, what kind of instruments do you take? Maybe a piccolo. Maybe a drum. Maybe a trumpet. You don't take a flute, a harmonica, a kazoo, um, as noisy and obnoxious as that might be. Um, why? Why do you take a trumpet or a piccolo or a drum? Because they are attention-getting. We can give, we can do things that are good to do. Jesus assumes that giving is something that his disciples will do. Jesus assumes, the New Testament assumes, that giving is something that Christians will do. The question isn't whether you give or not. The question is the means, right? Spiritual adultery. There is a way to worship God which is wrong and sinful. When you pray, do not sound the, 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 a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do. And uh, this language of hypocrites is used uh, almost exclusively in, uh, in or, or the vast majority of times it's used in uh, Matthew, if I'm recalling correctly, more than 75% of the New Testament usages are in um, uh, Matthew, but then uh, it's also used in uh, a few times elsewhere, especially in the Gospels. But um, this idea of hypocrites, this idea of hypocrites is, uh, we're reminded of it again uh, later in the Sermon on the Mount, um, when when Jesus is talking about judging others in chapter 7, and he talks about how it's easy for us to be so consumed with the problem that somebody else has that we don't take care of our own problems. Chapter 7 and verse 5, You hypocrite! First take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. A hypocrite is a one who's putting on a show, 
putting on a show. Now this goes hand in hand with trying to be noticed by men to, to seek the, the glory that they might give. To accumulate that glory to oneself. But as we look to this negative example, Jesus is clear, don't do this. Truly I say to you, verse number uh, to the end, truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. It's as if, uh, if you're going to, uh, if you're going to seek for earthly fame, if you're going to seek for earthly glory, if you're going to seek for earthly treasures, catch, catch that word. We'll come back to it later, Lord willing. If you're going to seek for these earthly things, well, you can do that and you have it. You, you get the attention of your, your fellow worshipers. That's your reward. It's earthly. It doesn't last to eternity. But then the positive, verse number three. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving will be in secret, hidden. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Here we're talking about silence of action. Silence of action. If you're playing hide and seek, usually you want to stay in one place, right? Because then the person who's searching for you won't hear you moving. But if you're playing hide and seek and you need to move, how do you want to do it? Quietly. Silence of action. Not even letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing. There there isn't the trumpet. Rather, there's that which is done in secret and God who sees what is done in secret rewards. Again, negatively, verse 5, this negative positive uh, 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 string of the text When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen. And this is the language that was used later uh, in verse 16 and verse 18 uh, to be noticed, to be seen. And the idea here of this language is a different word. This idea uh, has the idea of putting something on display, putting something in the light, illuminating it, bringing it into the light. They, they love to be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. You, you ought not to pray so that others will see, so that others will notice, so that you will get the glory and the praise of others. The positive, verse 6, but you... When you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Is it wrong to pray publicly? 
Is it wrong to pray publicly? Is this verse teaching us that we shouldn't be praying publicly? I think rather it can be wrong to pray publicly. Not that it's always wrong to pray publicly. Does Jesus pray publicly? Yes, at times. He does. He prays so that the uh, the apostles will, will hear. But what is in view here that is wrong is if you're praying, not speaking to God. Not with a focus on being in communication with God. But rather with a focus on what will other men hear? How will other men think of me? How will other ladies think of me? When I pray. This, this is one reason why it's good to pray with others. It's good to pray out loud with others. So that we train ourselves. Against this idea. That we should be thinking most importantly about what others hear. The, the person who doesn't want to pray with others is easily tempted to believe that what others hear matters. That's most important. But what this scripture text is teaching us is what God hears. Your communication with God, that is what is most important. The reward comes from your Father who sees what's done in secret. The negative, again, verse 7. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition. Now this uh, language, meaningless repetition, um, un, un, uh, thoughtful speech, uh, careless, uh, careless speech, uh, this language might be a word that Jesus invented. It might be a word that Jesus invented. Um, and so there's, there's uh, discrepancies into the, as to the exact uh, meaning of uh, this particular word. Um, uh, some think that it's uh, it's a word that's looking back to uh, looking back to other uh, other languages, the Aramaic language in particular. And Jesus is making a Greek word out of Aramaic uh, words. Um, others think that uh, what he's doing here is he's uh, using uh, language of onomatopoeia. Do you remember that from grade school? Onomatopoeia. Okay, the, this doesn't work with my daughter. I have to use the boys. The boys get into a tussle. And then you hear a thwack. And you know that it's going to escalate. Well, thwack is an onomatopoeia, a word that sounds like what it is, right? Don't use jargon. Don't use unthinking speech. Pray thoughtfully, Jesus is saying, um, as the Gentiles do. And here, we, we ought need to step back and we need to pay attention. Jesus was just talking about the hypocrites who go on display and try to uh, pray uh, in the synagogue so that everyone will see them and notice them. 
Who was he talking about? Most probably. Well, he was talking about, in other words, the scribes and the Pharisees. But note, he changes the illustration. He could have said, and you, when you're praying, don't use meaningless repetitions as the Pharisees do. But he doesn't say that. Instead, he says, don't use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, or as the heathens do, as the pagans do. Why the change? Why the change? I I think maybe a a good illustration of why the change would be uh, thinking back to Elijah. Elijah has the, the, the spiritual battle, as it were, Uh, Mount Carmel. And you remember how they have a sacrifice and they have dry, uh, they have dry uh, wood and they have, uh, they have everything except for the fire. And what do the false priests do? They need to get their God's attention. They need to convince their God that what they are doing is important and their God needs to intervene. Their God needs to answer their prayer. They belabor their prayers. They start cutting their bodies, mutilating their bodies. Why? Why were they doing that? Because they were trying with their manner of prayer to get their God's attention. The one true God does not need us to get his attention. We ought not to pray as if we need to get God's attention. And the text is clear. Your father knows what you ask before you ask. Your father knows your needs. Before you even make mention of them. The point here is, as we go to prayer, the God to whom we pray does does not need intervention. Does not need us to be intervening to get his kind graces. To get his answers to prayer. Gentiles, they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And then you have the positive, which entails the uh, the, the uh, example that Jesus gives of prayer. Um, which How should you pray? Not with meaningless repetition, not like the hypocrites trying to put it all on display, but rather... Uh, seeking your father's glory and your father's attention. Um, Then you have the negative again in verse 16. Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do. These hypocrites are getting lots of traction in Jesus' sermon here. Lots of attention in Jesus' sermon. Don't put on a gloomy face for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed, uh, brought into the light, illuminated before men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, 
They have their reward in full. What are they trying to do? They're trying to be noticed by others in their fasting. Again, Jesus assumes that those who are followers of, of, of the Lord will fast. Not, not uh, prescribing here, but assuming rather. That which is assumed may actually be stronger than that which is prescribed at times. But uh, not, not prescribing here, rather just assuming. So you have the negative. Uh, don't be seeking to have others notice your good deeds, your righteousness. That is to say, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Verse 1. And then the positive, verse 17. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The one who cares about your needs. He's the one. You should seek to please. What three, uh, by the way, it continues, the negative and positive continues in the next section. Uh, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. The negative and then the positive, verse 20, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, But what three ideas, what three Teachings ought we to grab and grasp and understand from this text? Well, the first two are rather obvious. The, the, the first one especially so. Uh, what three things ought we to know from this text? Number one, do not pretend godliness. Do, do not put on a show of Christianity. Do not pretend godliness. Um, now, there, there is a, a false way of thinking about hypocrisy. Uh, a false way of thinking about hypocrisy. So, some people um, uh, think, well, <clears throat> I know I'm a sinner. And if I do anything other than sin, then I'm being a hypocrite. Therefore, I ought to be clear in my sinning. Okay? Um, this isn't the way of thinking of the righteous people, but there are some ungodly people who are very clear that they're not going to be hypocrites. They're going to be who they actually are. And they're going to rub it in your face as a righteous person. Right? And maybe some of you have worked in job environments where you've seen that kind of thing put into action. Okay? Uh, Jesus is not speaking about uh, being self-controlled in your sinfulness. That's not what Jesus is, is addressing. We ought to be different than uh, all of the ungodliness and sinfulness that we might put on display. Just to say that in, in clearer language, we ought to be self-controlled. We ought to be self-controlled. So even though we're still sinners... Our self-control is mediating that sinfulness. 
Our self-control is constraining that sinfulness. But what, what Jesus is saying is that if you are pretending godliness, no one, no one's going to think highly of you. No one at all. When others find out that you're just pretending, that it's all a show, they won't think highly of you. And what does the text say about uh, God and his thoughts about you? Well, if you're doing the hypocrite thing, you have your reward right now in full. God's not going to be thinking highly. God's not going to be pleased. Might we not put on a show of Christianity? Might our Christianity be uh, true and genuine? Uh, J.C. Ryle uh, used the language uh, of ostentation. Ostentation. Something which is ostentatious. It, It looks grand, bigger than it is. Something that's seeking to to be noticed. Not because of its actual worth, but because of its counterfeit. This is the the language I would use in our day. The word counterfeit. Where, Where there is counterfeit, what does that mean? That means there's something worthwhile. There's something valuable. You you don't counterfeit dirt. You might counterfeit gold. You don't counterfeit paper. You might counterfeit cash. There is value in godliness. Let us pursue that true and honest piety, which the Lord desires for us. Secondly, what ought we to learn? Do not pretend godliness first. Do not put on a show of Christianity. Secondly, seek heavenly rewards. Seek heavenly rewards. This is made uh, clear in in uh, the, the 20th verse. Store up treasures for yourselves in heaven where moth nor rust, uh, where neither moth nor rust destroys nor th- where thieves do not break in or steal. Um, there is the Father who sees in secret and rewards. There is the hypocritical uh, way of living which gets its reward in this life. Seek that which is eternal. Seek that which is heavenly. Don't live for the here and now. Live for eternity. And then lastly, and I think this is, uh, this is the major point. This is the, the, the weighty point of this whole text. And the previous text that we spoke about the last two weeks. Where is your heart? Where is your heart? That's the question. Care about, what's, what do we learn here? That we need to care about where our heart is. Care about where your heart is. As we think about 
how we live, how we practice our righteousness. We need to care most about where that righteousness comes from. Our character, our inner being. We ought to seek to have our lives lived in light of eternity and to care about what the Lord sees in our hearts. Psalm thirty four fifteen the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteousness and his the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. There's a blessing when we live in light of what God sees. Psalm 145 and verse 18, the Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. There's a blessing to not living hypocritically. But the key question is, what does that show about our heart? And thus, we need to ask, where is my heart? You're here on a Sunday morning, week after week. Why? Psalm 119 and verse 2. There's, there's a blessedness in living in light of what God sees. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. God cares about where our hearts are. This is clearly seen in the in the next section. Verse 20, 19, 20, and 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth or rust, rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now note carefully, Jesus doesn't say where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Listen to that again. Jesus does not say where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Rather, Jesus is trying to instruct us as to how we can judge our hearts. And so he says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. How can you know where your heart is? Ask the question, where is my treasure? What is it that I value? What is it that I guard and cling to? What is it that I'm faithful to? There is a way to judge your heart. You can judge your heart by how you give. You can judge your heart by how you pray. You can judge your heart by how you fast. As you look to those treasures, you'll be able to judge your heart. Now you and I, we know we fail. Sometimes we pray in our giving, fail in our giving. Sometimes we fail in our praying. Sometimes we fail in our fasting. 
Might we seek the Lord's help? The Father who sees what is done in secret will reward. He will one day judge that has positive implications. The one whose heart is faithful in in following the Lord will find blessing. That has negative implications. 1 Peter 1, 17. If you address as father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. If you are are, uh, um, aspiring to righteousness, if you claim the one true God and father who created all things as your father, then live in fear and trembling because one day God will judge. For Jeremiah 17 and verse 10, again, the heart is what matters. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. One day we will have our reward. The father who sees what is done in secret will judge. Where is your heart? Based on where your treasure is, what will that judgment be? Might we examine our hearts? And might we consecrate them to the Lord's uses and purposes? Might He bless us, not in living to be seen by men, but in living to be seen by our God. Not in living to please men, but in living to please our God. Let us pray. Lord, Sometimes we struggle in judging our hearts. Help us to judge even as you have instructed us here to look to where our treasure is. That we might be able to see where our heart is. Lord, I pray that you would purge from us all ungodly forms of hypocrisy. I pray that we might be faithful in seeking eternal and heavenly rewards. I pray that you would bless each one here. It's easy to live according to our own thinking and desires, our pleasures, our joys. Help us, Lord, to seek instead to be pleasing you, to seek your joys. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. As we conclude this morning,
I think it's quite appropriate to sing together, Take My Life and Let It Be. Uh, Let us look together uh, in the uh, blue hymnal, Take My Life and Let It Be. Number 560 in the blue hymnals, 560, Take My Life and Let It Be. Would you stand as we sing? against idolatry, might we labor against all forms of spiritual adultery, might we live faithful to our Lord.
in his strength and in his power for his glory. God bless as you go forth doing that this week. You are dismissed. Thank you.